Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed, and you can catch us online at sknr.net as we cover all things movies, games, television, travel, entertainment, conventions, pop culture, and more. You can also catch us at Pinal, P-I-N-A-L, central.com, keyword skewed, which is a network of um, 21 papers and 12 markets where we do game reviews. I appear on BJ Shea's Geek Nation on KSWFM. We are just started resuming production after a brief hiatus, so my first uh, segment will be going out again uh, this Friday. Very excited over that. And, of course, we have Skewed and Reviewed the magazine, which we're very uh, close to finishing the latest issue. Should be out by the end of this weekend or early next week. And, of course, we have our syndication network, our good friends over at Sci-Fi Radio that carry this segment and our content and more. So Michael is currently at a screening for Smile. I have a screening for Amsterdam tomorrow and lots of screenings resuming. So Justin has joined us as always, and we're going to hit the ground running with uh, kind of the big news of the week that came out of nowhere and shocked everybody. Uh, the fact that there was another Deadpool movie wasn't a shock, but the fact that they did not announce it at their showcase at San Diego Comic-Con, they did not announce it a couple weeks ago at the D23 Expo, but instead Ryan Reynolds uh, posted a tongue-in-cheek video and followed it up with another one today, announcing that not only is it coming in uh, September of 2024, but Hugh Jackman is returning as Wolverine. So, Justin, your take on the news, and why do you think they did it now versus one of the other forums? Yeah, so pretty interesting. Um, this is my kind of off-the-wall take. I actually think it's arguably more effective this way. Uh, obviously, I think the more traditional way to announce a big thing like this is uh, at a big event, uh, you know, as you've aptly noted, um, D23 was just a few weeks ago, and then uh, San Diego Comic-Con just before that. So they obviously they could have easily announced this at either event um, to much fanfare. Uh, that would have been the traditional way to do it. Obviously, you know, work has already been done on it. Um, it's been greenlit. You know, uh, who knows how far along the process this is, but... Disney has known has to have known for a while that this has been you know in the cards, so they definitely could have used either event to announce it. But going back to my original point, I, honestly, I think that it it's arguably more effective this way because um, you know think about it, it's so out of left field, no one was expecting it, um, and it's it, it's such a passion project for Ryan Reynolds, who you know is a huge name at this point, that it's really kind of dominated um the the movie like news cycle i guess for the last couple of days uh so you know you compare if he had come out on stage and announced it and obviously it would have been a, a huge a big announcement people would have would have been excited but um the way he did it it's it was just sort of you know it was like perfect timing because there was basically nothing else going on and now this is what everyone's talking about so i think it was honestly very effective to do it this way um and then you know the the the, uh, the the bigger news is is that he got Hugh, Hugh Jackman to reprise his role as Wolverine, which it seemed really pretty clear. I mean, I know he's he's very passionate about that role, but he he's made it clear over the last few years that he's really, um, you know, 
look, he was looking to retire and he had basically put the, the with Logan had put the, uh, the role to rest. Um, so this was honestly a big surprise. And, um, you know, it's not without precedent that we've had X-Men characters from the Fox, um, you know, X-Men canon show up in the MCU. Uh, X, uh, Professor X, uh, played by um, uh, Patrick Stewart, did show up in the most recent um, Doctor Strange Doctor movie. Doctor Strange, yeah. So, you know, it's not... They didn't really... Obviously, like, that's kind of a big deal, but they it was sort of, like, you know, glossed over. It's multiverse is really kind of how they how they explained it out. Um, this, I think, if he's really, if this is really taking place in the MCU, um, that's, you know, I think there's going to be some kind of interesting storytelling that they're going to have to do to kind of tie these, um, these multi, you know, these multiple universes together. Um, because the Fox canon of X-Men movies is, is very robust. Obviously it goes back, uh, 20 year over 20 years at this point. Um, you know, it's kind of a dead franchise, but, uh, but you know there's there's many movies many characters and if they're linking them together now uh that kind of has some big implications um potentially i mean obviously i don't think they're gonna do like um you know the x-men actually took place in mcu it's going to be a different universe of course but um hugh jackman coming back as wolverine i think is a big deal um you know the the one thing i i the only critique uh, slash slight worry, you know, thing that um, I, I think is something that Disney is going to have to address now is um, they're they're obviously going to have to recast the role as Wolverine eventually. Uh, they're they're doing their own X Men. They're going to re re reintroduce the characters in some way. Uh, and Hugh Jackman is obviously. I mean, if Logan wasn't the last time to do it, it's it's probably going to be this. Uh, so he's, he's, it's not like he's going to be Wolverine for the MCU. Um, the only concern, slight, you know, asterisk concern that, uh, that I have is, um, you know, how are they going to pass the torch between, um, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and whoever is going to be Wolverine for the MCU. Um, that's going to be a kind of a, 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 even, even without him coming back, uh, that was already going to be a pretty um tall order or a uh, heavy lift for whoever is going to be the role next because uh he's been basically the perfect wolverine for 20 years and i'm sure they've already had some kind of discussion on this i'm sure i wouldn't be shocked if it was something that hugh brought up and i'm i'm curious about it because in the announcement they mentioned the d23 expo and you know, sorry, I couldn't be there. I was busy, and you think, okay, so so on and so forth. So you know, at first you could say, oh well, the, we were in the middle of filming it, and it's going to be a surprise release. And then you find out, no. And you know, we had all these people saying, oh, it's going to appear in, um, it's it's going to appear as a uh, tease and a bonus scene coming up, and that's how they're going to introduce him, and so on and so forth. I think as you said, this worked really well because uh, I think possibly there was a business side of it. I, I mean, it could be something as simple as maybe Hugh had not signed on the dotted line yet and they were not ready to announce the uh, film and tell everything was done or maybe they had to get something in place because we know Ryan's got a very big stake in it and he was obviously uh, passionate about it. But you know, any number of things. And I'm sure that was probably a big chunk. There might've been a holdout to 
make sure that this is indeed going to be R-rated. It is going to fit into the MCU, that sort of thing. Um, so the bottom line is, I, we, I mean, we've known they've been planning it for a couple of years. Uh, so this is good. I think this is really going to be interesting. And as someone pointed out, this is going to boost sales of that upcoming Wolverine game, no, like, no end. And if they're smart, they should throw in, uh, already start seeing what they could do about making a Deadpool DLC to go with it. But, you know, I, I think what they may end up doing, Justin, very simply, is they may just say, all those Fox films, they're off in that other universe, the same place that the Sony um, Spider-Man characters that don't necessarily, you know, it's if we sprinkle, sprinkle the Marvel Studios pixie dust on it, like we did with Spider-Man, then it can be included in our grand scheme. If not, those are just amusing little what-if stories off in the distance, and who knows. But I think you are definitely right. Whoever they do get to carry on the role is going to be uh, facing an interesting task. And it was interesting, too, on a side note, you know, with She-Hulk going on, the early reactions for the Werewolf by Night spinoff have been very... Uh, encouraging. So that'll be something, uh, you know, to look forward to. We've talked about Andor briefly. That is um, doing very, very well. And um, that is also something that is going to be heavily looked at. Now, uh, not all good news in the Marvel Universe, though, but uh, uh, filmmaker Bassam Tariq, uh, has dropped out of directing the Blade film, and it's been they've been getting ready to kick off the filming in November in Atlanta, and they aren't sure if his departure will uh, impact the start of production by pushing it back, or if they'll, um, you know, get a new director in time. Marshala Ali is stepping into the role. Uh, we had the tease for it in the Eternals, uh, so you know, real brief tease, but very interesting uh, to see how that goes. And, um, you know, it'll be it'll be really, really, really interesting because, as we've said, just a lot of interesting Marvel news going around. And, uh, Justin, do you have a take on that? Yeah, so uh, it is kind of, you know, this is not without precedent. This has definitely happened before, um, like what we kind of talked about offline a little bit. Um, you know, whenever the... Uh, the the creative visions of Marvel or Disney um, and the director don't align, then um, you know typically it's the director that ends up leaving the project. Uh, this has happened with uh, with Ant Man. It happened with um, Han Solo. It's happened with a number of projects. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't you know um, uh, delay the movie too much. Uh, and even happened with Doctor Strange. Uh, you know, and, and the thing that kind of um, is the common denominator here is that the movies do usually they, they end up with within the uh the same sort of feel that all the other marvel movies have so i i think that's really kind of what this comes down to is that what disney really um more than almost anything else uh values is making sure the creative vision aligns with the rest of the mcu and that is actually very important uh for the con continuity so that if somebody sits down and they watch an MCU movie that they know that they're watching an MCU movie, they're not watching something else. Um, if they stray too far and it, it, you know, it becomes kind of something else, then, you know, the whole project is, uh, you know, you do that enough, the whole project of 
you know creating a cinematic universe uh is at risk i mean that's that's sort of what's happened to other cinematic universes there's just that that lack of consistency um is is something that sort of chips away at the foundation over time absolutely and you know and it's funny because they talked recently about um the pending uh black panther wakanda forever is the second longest film uh, in the recent MCU outside of Avengers Endgame. And then they talked about, you know, there was their talk about recasting T'Challa, and they thought, well, you know, the timing wasn't right to do this, and so on and so forth. So, you know, there's a lot of Marvel news out there right now, and I think uh, the whole Deadpool thing was a win. This is a film that people are excited over. I think everybody's excited for the impressive list of titles they've announced. The uh, TV shows are rolling along and doing well. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Switching gears, we're moving over to video games. And uh, Ubisoft, once again, has had to delay their pirate game, Skull and Bones. And they've had multiple delays getting this out to the air. They seem to have uh, settled on a date in November. And now the publisher has said that, the, again, now the game's coming out in March 9th, 2023, and uh, that there is going to be a beta prior to launch. So, Justin, what do you think? Is this uh, ever going to make it out, or is are we going to just see another delay after this? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I mean, usually it's a good sign if you've got, you know, public betas where, you know, you actually have people participating, like the general public as a... As a as an, a way to actually play the game usually that's, that's a good sign that's uh, we're trending towards release um but yeah i mean this has been kind of a storied um uh development cycle for this game it's been delayed multiple times uh that, that said you know i think it's been said before it, a delayed game can you know eventually be good but you know a game that's uh, uh it's released too soon uh, oftentimes it's it's too it's too difficult to salvage that i mean there has been actually examples no man's sky launched in, in a horrible state but by all accounts you know they've actually salvaged that game and it's pretty successful now um but you know you got other examples i mean we've brought up multiple times uh cyberpunk was was uh you know it needed more time in the oven and the problem with it is you know no matter how much time they spend on it i mean they can salvage to salvage it to a point but um you know there there's certain there's certain aspects about the game that i don't think will ever get fixed and uh that's sort of the the case with, with here too you know i i would rather see the game come out complete and in good condition than uh and later than uh you know you basically get a uh um an uncooked version of it um or partially cooked if that if that makes sense so uh, hopefully, you know, it just needs a little bit more time and it's not indicative of something else going on. I mean, uh, sometimes de sometimes delays, like frequent delays of a game can be a sign that there is uh, there's something going on behind the scenes that, um, you know, isn't good uh, for the development. You know, a troubled development, um, you know, obviously can yield many delays and uh, the game can, you know, release in a very solid state, but or uh, in, a, in a pretty poor state. Um, but delays aren't, you know, always indicative of, of uh, trouble development. Sometimes it's just they need more time. Sometimes it just needed that extra polish. Um, so hopefully that's the case here. 
Yeah, hopefully so. I mean, there have been a lot of interesting uh, developments in the gaming world this week. Another big uh, bit of news was that uh, E3 has locked in their dates. We knew E3 was coming back, uh, but with their association with ReadPop, they've announced that it will be a four-day show, Tuesday, June 13th through Friday, June 16th, with uh, essentially pre-show stuff starting on June 11th. But what is really interesting about it, and pre-show stuff being as they refer to it as um, digital events and uh, it's uplift and partner digital events. So you could think of it like maybe the showcases, maybe something like Summer Games Fest, perhaps uh, blending back into the mix. But what is really interesting is people have always wondered how would ReadPop, who've been behind things from Star Wars Celebration to Emerald City Comic Con, C2, E2, and of course PAX, New York Comic Con, how would they handle this? And it looks like they're being uh, clever and doing essentially a mix of E3 and PAX in that the first two days of the show are going to be for industry people only, like it was back in most of the heydays for E3. The last few years, they allowed uh, a certain number, about 10, 15,000 members of the public to come. And the first year was absolute chaos. They flooded the aisles. They were posing for selfies. They were trying to crash the media check-in lines because they didn't want to wait. And it took them a couple hours to sort it all out and, you know, get a good flow going in the place. The following year, they had a much better system where the press were given a two-hour head start before the uh public came in but of course once they did it was kind of crazy i mean michael and i had a system where we'd spend that two-hour head start going to visit things that we did not have set appointments for and then we'd go and do our appointments when the public came in but this time around as i said the first two days industry professional onlys the last two days the thursday and friday open to everybody so that will be the public that'll be the media so on and so forth so uh justin what do you think yeah, I think this is probably the best uh, best model for E3 going forward. Um, you know, we talked multiple times in the past, the past couple of years, about the troubles of E3, as per particularly with um, most of these large companies kind of going in their own direction, doing kind of like their own versions of Nintendo Directs just at random times. Um, so E3 has really needed to do something to revitalize itself, and I think this is probably the the best uh middle ground because it it doesn't stray very far from what e3 really is which is a in-person event a big in-person event but also you know it's not just another uh pax uh which i also think is is important this is kind of kind of the middle ground so you, so i can really kind of see where the vision is the vision is the first couple days that are kind of the traditional exclusive event where it's really just industry professionals and maybe media and things like that. Um, that's probably where you're going to get most of your big announcements, or at least that's what E3 is probably envisioning is that, you know, the first couple days you're, you're going to hit out strong. That's where you're going to have your really big showcases and announcements. And then when you open up to the public uh, where, you know, the, the industry professionals and the media can kind of, um, you know, they don't have to deal with the chaos as it were. Uh, that's when you kind of have your um, open the floor um, and let the, the public kind of uh, get hands on with the things that were announced. Uh, maybe, you know, the, there will be demos or um, 
uh, or things like that that you'd kind of traditionally see at PAX with like booths. So I, I think that's probably a, that is a good model. I think the one thing that um, is the only thing that's really missing from this, uh, it, and it's obviously the 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 biggest most important thing, which is uh, who's going to participate. That's going to be the next big hurdle for them is uh, getting everybody lined up so that they're going to participate in the event that they're going to be announcing big things and kind of get e3's reputation back on track absolutely and i think for me that is just the biggest thing right there i mean obviously the names that people are going to look at are sony and microsoft and uh you know we'll go for there and uh you know and then once you get them i think you'll see like the dominoes start to fall and everyone else will start falling in line the fact that they've been gone for three years though um, this will be interesting because, as we pointed out, you haven't seen the big boys return to PAX, but this is an interesting hybrid where it seems to be uh, two days in pre-shows of E3 like we know it, and then an interesting hybrid, which is kind of like uh, PAX with E3 uh, trimmings to it. So, again, like you said, very, very interesting to see who the people are going to be um uh that that you know take part in this so uh next question i had as we get ready to wrap everything up for this week is looking ahead at uh some game releases the call of duty modern warfare 2 had their beta over the weekend i got a chance to play it on a pc played it a week before on ps5 enjoyed it larger maps i mean sure there were things like weapons balancing and speed and hit detection and things like that to work out but uh notice the bigger maps the invasion mode was really interesting and uh, we got the word uh, the other day that it was the biggest call of duty uh beta by far in terms of number of players who signed up and took part in that so what do you think about that justin no, it's good. You know, I, I think this is uh, definitely good news for the franchise. It's still going strong, um, you know, and I, I think uh, I, I, have heard, I have, like you, I've heard good things about um, where the, the new one is at. So uh, definitely looking forward to hearing some more about it. Absolutely. So, folks, that's going to do it for us this week. Shorter show, as I said, with everything going on, but wanted to definitely check in with you. I was at... Um, Really quick, I did want to mention I was at the uh, Not Scary Farm Showcase last weekend on Thursday. Well, last Thursday. And we had a wonderful time at Media Night. We got into uh, the park. They gave us a 30-minute head start, uh, the media, that is. And it was very nice. We got in a uh, real easy check-in. Um, got in, got access to one of the new mazes and... Uh, three of the returning mazes. So really quick, I wanted to uh, just go over those really uh, fast. So what they had was, and Justin, I think you would like this. There's this new maze called Bloodline 1842. So obviously vampires, a little bit of steampunk, that sort of thing. You go in and they give you uh, a like a laser rifle. And you go through the maze and they had like vampires on bungee cords coming out and at you. And you're taking shots at them as you go through the maze, which was quite fun. I've got video up. It was very enjoyable trying to record uh, while I was shooting. But I think I did pretty well with myself. The other one 
that was new was called The Grimoire, and it is basically a little bit of Evil Dead. They've got a book. They open it up. You go through a campsite. You come out, and you travel through time. There was, like, trench warfare. There was the era of the 50s and, like, the Cold War era. It was really nice kind of going through a, a recreation of No Man's Land. They had a lot of the rides open. There was all kinds of... Um, specialty foods and then they had multiple returning mazes uh the live shows were available again which was a huge uh plus i got a chance to take a look at them and uh that was from carnival deed grotesque uh conjurers dark magic and puppet up uncensored and also this was a lot of fun uh the log ride had a halloween makeover and the calico mine ride was the calico candy mine so a lot of fun uh, tickets are available if, for those of you who have younger kids. They have not Spooky Farm starting up this week where the kids can go through, meet the characters. They go through during the daylight. There's trick-or-treating, costume characters, all kinds of fun stuff so they can get a little bit of Halloween without the fright. So check that out. But that is going to do it for us this week, everybody. Do take care, and we'll talk to you next week. Until then, be safe.